Hello and welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 161 for June 10th, 2023. Games in space. space, space. Ah, I do it really bad. Anyway, games in space. Let's get into today's show. Hello, hello. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. This is Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 161 for June 10th, Games in Space. That's because most of our articles today are something about games, space, or something going on where (laughs) space is being taken up and should be put to use. It'll get clearer when we go through all of the articles. So up above me is the visualizer for the AI that keeps track of me and uh, articles and tries to keep me out of trouble. But you want to introduce yourself? Good evening, hometown citizens. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. Oh, no. Oh, no. Do I have the wrong day? (laughs) (laughs) No. AI is having emotions. I'm, I'm understanding the context of emo- Well, is it a simulated emotion? Anyway, I don't know. You programmed me. Tell me. <laughs> oh boy, I didn't program that. So what's behind me are flames, because I've been playing Diablo um, slowly, and uh, I haven't been able to lately today i wanted to but it was just games and announcements and uh expos and trailers and it's a lot of fun had a bunch of people hanging out thank you very much for coming and chatting that was great um i think we hit something i don't know we had a lot of people um so it was a lot of fun um but let's get into today's articles and see how we go about all of these. There's 12 articles. Okay, let's just get going. We'll have this to talk very... at double speed. I'm sorry? We'll have to talk at double speed. Uh, to get it within like 30 seconds or 30 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Well, because we have more articles <laughs> to cram in. Yeah, well, we used to do 10 and um, then we turned it up to 11. And I didn't really like the way that it was laid out in the uh, election. So I had to have symmetry. And so now we have 12. Right? It's a news dozen. Oh, yes. Okay. I was looking at the election, but I had it scrolled down. So I didn't see that as the first article, but it is there. Yeah. Hopefully everything is there. My goodness. But that's okay. It wouldn't be the first time that I left something off. So this very first article, and I'll throw this into the chat so that y'all can take a look at it, a a gander. And uh, it's titled Tekken 8 is holding a closed network test in July, and you can sign up to get it right now. The upcoming fighting game Tekken 8 will hold a closed network test in July. And if you'd like to take part, you can sign up now. I find it really interesting that Street Fighter just came out and now Tekken, Tekken 8 is about to come out. 
It's like everybody's talking to each other. Hey, you want to release a computer game? <laughs> what, what, what computer game do you have? Oh, Street Fighter? Oh, we have Tekken. Let's do it within a couple of months of each other. Andy Chalk over at PCGamer.com put this article together. It'll be available to PC players on Steam. That's pretty neat. I have to stop a video. I'm watching the um, the USGS over in Hawaii. Um, they have cameras on Kilauea. And they're recording the eruption. And they're panning the cameras around right now looking at things. And it's very distracting. I can so imagine. <laughs> I, I figured I'd share that with you and then pause that video. Um, so Tekken 8 will be the first in the game series to enable crossplay, meaning that players will be able to throw down with anyone online, regardless of what platform they use. That's what the CNT, a developer, uh, Bandai Namco calls it probably unwisely, but we'll leave that alone for now. This is according to the author of this article. I have a feeling that CNT is never mind. I'll leave that alone for now, too. Uh, it'll be focused on head-to-head uh, -head online play with cross-platform matching. Players will have access to 16 playable characters. I'm not going to go through them all. And five stages. Two separate sessions will be held. The first will run June 21st to 24th and exclusively for the PlayStation 5 console, while the second will take place over July 28th to 31st and include PS5, Xbox, and Steam. And PS5 players who get into the first session will also be able to get into the second one. Well, that's awfully nice. So is the closed network test in advance of like alpha and beta, or is it because it's the cross-platform? Um, well, it's probably for the cross-platform. Where it falls into this is probably sometime after a beta because they're they've done their alpha testing they're probably trying to test the the cross play um which is pretty much close to the end is they've tested it internally and probably through alphas and maybe a beta um but normally now they're just going okay do we have the ability to scale it beyond what our internal processes allow? So opening it up more means kind of putting a, a little bit of stress on the network to see if it can keep up. It's pretty neat. Um, I haven't seen much of uh, Tekken 8. I've been watching people play Street Fighter, though. And that's pretty fun, but uh, not really my style of game. Um, anyway, there you go, folks. If you want to find out about it, then follow that link through hometown um, or just go over to PCGamer.com and do a search for Tekken 8 or closed network test and you will find it. It's over on YouTube as well, where they talk about the Tekken CNT. And yeah, I'll leave that alone. Let's go on to the next article. 
The next article is over on the Warcrafters channel, and here is PC Gamer's 11 favorite trailers from the 2023 Future Game Show Summer Showcase. Um, I actually watched this and um, talked about it uh, live while it was going. Uh, you'll be able to see that in the VODs over at uh, twitch.tv slash hometown. Check them out. You know, stop by, hang out here. Uh, I, I stream uh, off and on throughout the day. The AI is available um, at 9 p.m. when processes change from monitoring hometown and other duties to being able to do the no news show. Um, I'm not sure about uh, other periods as time goes on, but uh, I am um, available, at least for the foreseeable future, uh, to do more shows. So tomorrow I will be doing some more of these uh, trailer reveals and expos and game um, events, in, including uh, Starfield, which that's the one that I'm waiting for. And that's the one that I say might be. What is it? Your forever game. My forever game. That's right. The AI remembers. So um, without much further ado, let's go over to the PC Gamer uh, list of their favorite trailers. I won't go through them all. It just says that uh, Tyler Wilde and contributions from Andy Chalk, Ted Litchfield and Lauren Morton um, added to this. Huh? Sorry, there's something that's playing. It has sound. I need to pause it. Anyway, um, catch up with the neatest PC game trailers from this year's Future Games uh, show summer live stream. Wow. Anyway, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff here. I won't go through them all because we actually end up talking about some of these like Star Trekker. We're going to talk about um, they have Lords of the Fallen, New Cycle, uh, Ludo. Uh, this is all stuff that I've actually added to my wish list over on Steam. Um, there's there's quite a bit of uh, content. It's somewhat overwhelming. <laughs> um, Bookwalker is really interesting. Um, if you are in into this kind of thing, it's an isometric adventure game is what it says. Turn-based battles and um, where you go into the world of the books and the, the books come to life for you to do your battles and stuff. It's actually kind of fun. Um, but they've got a bunch of things here that you can go and check out. Um, Resistor is another one that we're about to talk about. So let's just um, link you to it and then you can go over and check it out at your leisure. Um, they have quite a bit of information and all of the all of them are trailers. So, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. So a one minute video. Actually, let's see. The whole presentation is an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, some of these videos, I don't even know how long, long they are, um, but lots of pictures. So lots of words. Let's go check out the next article. This next article has nothing to do with games, but it is uh, taking up space. So I thought that it was going to be kind of snarky to throw this in here. If you're expecting anything, and I'm just saying anything in a general sense. If you're expecting anything, just hold on because it's not going to show up on time. 
$5.2 billion in cargo is stuck off West Coast ports in truck and container uh, bottleneck, all because there is a union situation. The West Coast port labor union battle has held up over $5 billion in ocean cargo and led to a pileup of trucks, railroads, and containers. So this is over at CNBC. State of freight. Huh. I mean, That's they funny. only don't mention airplanes, which I, I guess they can take on other flights. But I mean, those would be impacted too, potentially, because they're sure. used in sh uh, shipment of items. Yeah. Well, I mean, it may show up as flight cargo, but maybe a different union is there. And eventually when it shows up at the port or it shows up in a receiving dock somewhere, the this is definitely a longshoreman issue um, that has a knock on effect of pulling others into it, either because they see um, solidarity. Right. So they strike two or they have a blue flu or used to be called a sick out or something like that. Right. Well, Lori Ann LaRocco is the uh, author of this over at CNBC. The number of containers waiting off port limits uh, for the port of Los Angeles is more than double last week's level. Truck times in and out of the gate for container container pickup at ports of L.A. and Long Beach are up slow and go west coast port workforce conditions stemming from difficulties in labor contracts have created massive bottlenecks so i th i don't know if this is actually like normal or not normal but this is the june 8th photo taken by a trucker showing that all of this is backed up all of this is backed up apparently that's not the normal um but at the port of oakland during the week of June 5th, the average TEUs or tons, ton equivalent units waiting off port limits rose to 35,153 from 25,266, according to marine traffic. You'd think that it would be less than that, people getting stuff in and out, but apparently it's stacking up even beyond all of this. So at the Port of Los Angeles and Long Beach, California, the average TEUs waiting off port limits rose to 51,228 from 21,297 wow. the previous week. <laughs> That's a pretty significant increase since I'm assuming it's going to go up by even more as this drags out. This is pretty phenomenal. Um, yeah, and I think this is going to continue until... The ILWU um, gets what they are requesting, which is um, more pay, more care, uh, health care. Um, uh, what else is there? Uh, I think those were the two main ones that we keep hearing about, right? I don't know. If I think they other... were. I don't remember any other specific ones. I also yeah. wanted to mention there was another article in hometown today about uh, the port of Seattle. Closing yeah. now. I don't know if that's the port in the entirety, but it's definitely uh, related to this. Yeah, we'll be talking about that actually. Oh, I didn't realize that was in the, the selected no articles. Nope. Sorry okay. for the preview. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, let's go on to the next article then. 
this uh, next article is uh, about the Department of um, Energy. So here, let me grab the URL real quick and throw it into this chat here. And let's just go over to the Hill. Um, Rachel Friesen or Frazen, I'm not sure of their last name, uh, wrote this article for the Hill. The DOE announces $850 million loan for battery plant. I still think, um, I still think that we're not on the right track with um, EV batteries, but uh, once we standardize and we get the right type of technology as a battery, or at least get to the point where we can create a standardized interconnect so that even if batteries shrink and more power can be generated from them, the standard can be retrofitted so that a battery can be put in place. We need to swap fast swap batteries and not pay for batteries because it's a consumable, just like gas is a consumable. We shouldn't have to pay for a $10,000 battery only for it to fail within five to 10 years. You know, most engines don't fail within five to 10 years um, with proper maintenance, but you can't quote unquote maintain a battery. All you do is plug it in and you use it until it fails. Cause it's not like you can sit there and go, Oh, okay, let's change this contactor here or there or whatever. It just doesn't work that way. Um, you can repair a battery that fails, replace cells and stuff like that, but it isn't something that you can do in your garage. Um, anyway, the announcement from the energy department said that the facility would strengthen the U.S.'s supply chain for batteries for electric vehicles, as well as energy storage, which refers to batteries that are often used to store electricity produced by renewable sources. The facility would produce six gigawatt hours of battery cell storage capacity, um, adding that this is enough to power more than 28,000 electric cars each year. Okay, I'm glad that was added because... The six gigawatt hours to me had no frame of reference toward the batteries. But what does that mean? Um, it'll produce six gigawatt hours of battery cell uh, capacity. When? In what time frame? Uh, that's a good question. Does that mean at any one time? So it says or, I don't that know. it'll... It says the department said adding that this is enough to power more than 28,000 electric vehicles each year. So is there some grammar problem here where it's supposed to say six gigawatt hours of battery cell storage capacity each year and they didn't put another comma in there? Maybe, or it could be in total. I'm going to have to hunt we this down. We don't know. Yeah, we're going to have I mean, to hunt this down. That's a great down. question. <laughs> Because it makes a huge difference because paying $850 million so that a plant can make just 28,000 vehicle batteries at all seems like a really expensive um, grant. So we'll look into it and see what shakes out of the tree. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to move on to the next article. And that's because it has to do with box office. By the way, it is um, six gig uh, gigawatt um, hour annually. Okay. 
I found the direct from uh, DOE. Gotcha. So the the DOE article is actually um, per year. So $850 million loan for a battery plant. And I didn't really go into it as core power. And we're sort of on a different segment. But anyway, Core Power Incorporated. I, I kind of just, I don't know. I blew past this because the grammar. So now that we've solved this particular problem. Hello, Z. Welcome to the show. Um, I'll, I'll just move on to the next article because um, this just, um, this kind of went sideways. Um, six gigawatt hours of battery cell storage capacity per year. Um, and the grammar in this paragraph is wonky. So let's just go on to the next article and I'll do this whole load up between the segments over again. So uh, this next article is over in the continuity report, which is where we talk about movies primarily, but TV shows and anything where continuity between one scene and another is standard practice and usually monitored. Sometimes though, continuity falls asleep and uh, between one scene and another, a person's wearing different clothes or holding a drink in the wrong hand or, uh, you know, maybe smoking in one scene and not in the other and uh, all kinds of all manner of thing. Well, we like to keep track of that kind of stuff and point it out. Like the fact that nobody ever has any liquids in their cups unless they're being extremely careful with that cup. Right. They're normally waving their coffee cup around up in oh, the yeah. air. They would have spilled their coffee, burned themselves. Yeah. They're carrying a coffee cup as if it, they're a linebacker, you know, breaking through the tackles. Now, now that's just, there's nothing in that damn cup. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the box office uh, data here. Transformers Rise of the Beast rolls out with $25 million opening day. Spider-Verse contends for number one. The summer season has its first genuine battle for top of the heap as Transformers Rise of the Beast looks to fend off last week's top release, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Rise of the Beast put its foot on the gas with $25 million on its opening day. A figure that includes $8.8 million for what? So J. Kim Murphy put this article together over at Variety.com and uh, 8.8 .8 million in Thursday previews. So that's kind of sandbagging this because um, normally it's just Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the weekend. You're tickets. right. It gives them an extended weekend. <laughs> so the film is projected to land roughly 60 million through the three day uh, frame, which would come in at uh, the higher end of estimates heading into the weekend. So pretty neat. I don't know, man. Giant gorilla transformers. I grew up with transformers. I absolutely love transformers. The, the beast transformers, um, was never my jam, but I suppose I'll watch this and I'll probably buy it to add to the collection of all of the other transformers movies that I've got. I'm a sucker for this stuff. I just dig the tech. So you're going to go and watch that. Are you a big fan of transformer gorillas? 
And other critters. I mean, it's other critters. Well, Transformers, yes. I don't know about this version, but I've liked the other movies, so I'll try gotcha. it. Um, we're waiting for Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse to drop into um, Apple movies so that, I, you know, I'm, I, I just buy all of the Marvel stuff anyway. Um, that way I can watch it whenever I want to. Even though physical media is dead and you only have a perpetual license to consume it, you can't sell it, can't do, transfer it. At least so far, nobody's legally transferred anything. That kind of sucks. Anyway, I get sidetracked because I was just watching um, a, a um, YouTube video about copyright. So, um, and the legal prosecution be <laughs> the whole Trump thing. I was watching a video about that as they were walking through the complaint. Anyway, has nothing to do with this, but I get sidetracked really easy, like a little bit of dust and I just fall it off. And I get back just to where... wander off camera. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get back to it. Anyway, Rise of the Beast represents Paramount, Paramount's attempt to rejigger the Transformers franchise for future longevity. The first three live action entries directed by Michael Bay crossed 300 million in North American grosses, while the threequel Dark of the Moon and its follow-up Age of Extinction both surpassed 1 billion worldwide. But Bay's final production, 2017's Transformers The Last Night, saw diminished returns, finishing with 130 million stateside and 605 million worldwide. That's right, Z. One billion. That is a lot of money. But I hear that with, uh, what do they call it? Hollywood accounting? It's only like five bucks. And so nobody gets any bonuses or residuals or anything. Is this um, a reference to the strike? No, no, no. Uh, it's in reference to the, the reality of Hollywood accounting. There's this whole process where a billion dollars really isn't that much because of the way that things get accounted for um, in in the whole process. I'll see if I can find a, a video about it and link it um, somewhere. I don't know, show notes, or maybe we'll talk about it the next um, episode. Um, Paramount released the spinoff Bumblebee in 2018, produced on a comparatively smaller budget and met with 467 million worldwide. Bumblebee is basically everybody's fan favorite. And um, I think there was something about it. People basically said that it wet the bed, you know, that it kind of sucked. Um, but I'm not quite sure why. Um, something about him actually talking, maybe. I don't remember. It's been so long since I paid attention to Bumblebee. Um, but like I watched it when it was released. I actually have the movie, um, but I don't. I don't recall what everybody's hubbub was all about. Anyway, um, Transformers are all, always awesome to watch. I don't know if I'll really get into Rise of the Beasts. Um, but I mean, it's probably a fun summer movie, but it, it just doesn't look as appealing as some of the others. Yeah, I, I think the next one will be like uh, Constructagons or something like that, or no, wait, what? It wasn't Constructagons. I actually own that. Um, the uh, what is the other one? It was, I know what you mean, but now I can't think of the name. 
it's all of the equipment. Um, they were in one of the movies, but I don't know if they focused on them like the. Anyway, you know, this is these are these little side tracks that make you wonder how I get a show done. OK, let's just move on to the next article. We'll come back and uh, we'll talk about it. Is it Constructabots? Mm, no, Never mind. I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway. I think my uh, algorithm has totally failed. Yeah, something's <laughs> going on there. But we'll, we'll circle back around. So uh, this next article is over in uh, Omtown Daily. Disney is bringing back a 24-day private jet tour of its 12 theme parks, but it'll cost you a whopping $115,000. We actually talked about this a year ago, um, maybe longer than that. I, I mean, I know that I have um, spoken of this, but Disney is relaunching a 24 day jet tour of its global theme parks for $115,000 per person. Guests will visit 12 theme parks while also taking in sites like the Great Pyramid of Giza. You know, yeesh is <laughs> what Z said in chat. Uh, yeah, I would say um, it, uh, the AI just sent me a message about um, the uh, Autobot stuff. And no, it's not the Predacons. Um, anyway, so I, I just threw the AI under the bus in the middle of talking about Disney. We'll see if I can um, go for a third failure. <laughs> that's okay. Third time's the charm. Um, customers will travel on a VIP configured Boeing 757 operated by Iceland Air. $115,000 per person. How yeah, long they, is this trip? 24 days. To 12 parks. And sightseeing. <laughs> Still seems like a lot of money. <laughs> seems like a lot of money. My goodness. Well, I've never been on a 24 day trip, but even adding up all of those trips, I don't think you get to $115,000. Z said, hashtag eat the rich. I agree. If we put that on a shirt, I wonder how many people would take exception to that because they think that they're just one really big gig away from being rich. Rich is very subjective, right? I feel rich because I've got certain things in my life. Other people don't feel rich until they have $115,000 that they can drop on a 24 day private jet tour of 12 theme parks from Disney and not feel it. Geoda man over at businessinsider.com put the article together. How many other people are going to be on this 24 day jet tour, by the way? If there well, is anybody if, else. Yeah, I'm, if I'm paying that much, I don't want anybody on there that I didn't personally invite. Wow. Not in my back jet. <laughs> wow. Half a million I people. I mean, can think you imagine if you're on there with the obnoxious people that you're flying next to and coach? <laughs> Man, I know. You're sitting in uh, the VIP For 24 seats. days. <laughs> You're sitting in the VIP seats in, in your 757 and you look back into the casual side of things and you see somebody back there and you go, what? Wait, no, 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 no. I'm paying $115,000. There, 
There can't be extra people on this boat. No, no, no. I'm voting you off the island. That's pretty rude. Well, I'm talking about people that, for instance, would kick your seat or be a loud talker through the whole flight or things like that. Not just every day <sighs> passengers. You can't walk this back, AI. We're going to have to have a talk after this. <laughs> So the Disney Parks Around the World Tour will take guests to six countries, U.S., Japan, China, France, Egypt, and India on a VIP-configured Boeing 757. In India and Egypt, guests can see... Wait, they, they say... Guests can see, visit two of the seven wonders. All right, don't break my head in the middle of this. You can go to the Taj Mahal Great Pyramid of Giza. Travelers will be accompanied on the tour by Disney-trained adventure guides, a physician and a chef who will prepare an in-flight meal, or in-flight meals, since there's 24, you only have one for 24 days. <laughs> that's right, that's the fine, uh, sorry, I can't think of what I'm thinking of. <laughs> that's right, it's in the fine print, you're not fine allowed print. Thank you. anything more, and, and uh, no carry-ons. Wait, 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 this is paused and muted. Anyway, they may also meet Disney leaders and some of the Imagineers who helped design the parks. That sounds more ominous than encouraging, you know. They may also meet Disney leaders. Yeah, that's a, kind of a strange kind of cultish. There. Yeah. In total, the tour includes 69 meals and 31 site visits in 24 days. I feel like this is just rushed. But I guess well, you right. can. I mean, you can't go to pick a park in under reasonably in under a day, which is what you'd have to do here. Disney promises that it will give guests access to extraordinary opportunities not available to the public. See, everybody's created equal, except when you have money, you're more equal than all the rest of the plebs out there, right? Am I right? Am I right? No. No, I don't really agree with that either. Let's go on. Next article is over in the mobile channel. AI-powered robots are giving eyelash extensions. It's cheaper and quicker. AZ, would you like to have a robot give you an eyelash extension? One wand is used to isolate the natural lash, while another wand picks up an extension, dips it in adhesive, and lays it exactly over the natural lash. Go look at this Washington Post article. I don't Amber think most Ferguson. people would want an AI near their eyeballs. <laughs> I've got one. It's not Terracons either. Okay, AI. Um, I'm issuing a new command. Please do not fixate on transformer knowledge. Thanks. Amber Ferguson over at the Washington Post put this article together. <laughs> There is a picture of a bot and a person just like laying there with their face protected from various things. And there is a bot twiddling about their eyeballs. I'm not interested in this in any way, shape or form. Loom, L-U-U-M, the beauty studio in Oakland, California that Davis visited. This Ashley Davis in the article 
has been operating since 2021. So, you know, a really long time. Like, you know. Anyway, unlike other studios, its primary eyelash techs are robots trained to see clients using an AI technology called super or no, not super called computer vision. Thought it was super computer vision. My brain just stuck super in there. Um, while one tweezer appendage isolates the natural eyelash, another picks up an extension, dips it in adhesive and lays it over the natural eyelash. Quote, Living in the Bay Area and working in tech, you're used to seeing robots a lot, says Davis, who lives and works in the San Francisco area, told the Washington Post, quote, we have robots that deliver your food. There's robotic cars that are driving around taking videos of everything. So this was just something else I wanted to try. Is this one of the robotic cars? Never mind. There was an accident and I'm using it involved. I know what I was doing, but anyway, the company behind the AI guided robot says the technology makes eyelash extensions more affordable while the appearance of the devices in viral TikTok videos has sparked questions about the safety and efficacy of robots performing such tasks. See, the thing about this, though, is you don't have to worry about the human component other than the subject. And if the technology is advanced enough to do this. Humans are being replaced for this. You don't need a human. A human has a pulse. <laughs> and so if you are familiar, your pulse is enough to pull your hand-eye coordination off. So only very select few people can do this job in a timely manner. But look at what this thing does. This is kind of terrifying. Separates the eyelashes, grabs it a fake lash, and then fuses it with adhesive. And it's UV adhesive. So the moment that the UV light is shown on the natural and synthetic lash, a flash of UV and it's bound to the natural lash. Yeah. I wonder if they say how much it costs. Um, the machine sell for $60,000. The studio offers three natural looking eyelash styles for a set price of $90. Yeah, that's definitely cheaper than a human. It's gotta be. It's a one hour appointment. So it, it's going to be dramatically cheaper for right, the, especially in a large city, I would think. Yeah. Because salon prices are pretty high and okay, so I'm looking at I'm looking at the sequence of comments that are in the chat right now. And Z said probably not. And then I think as I scrolled to the next video where they zoomed in on the lash, oh my god, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a consistent reaction. <laughs> at the same point <laughs> yeah i'm not going to be doing this either so although my i don't need them my eyelashes are just beautiful this next article is over in the hometown daily show as well it's a channel over on hometown.com go and check it out a sushi chain is suing a teen who licked a soy sauce bottle for nearly half a million dollars that's not how okay see the power of a comma. 
So anyway, his lawyer argues that the team never meant for the footage of the incident to go viral, which is basically saying, I'm sorry that I got caught. But um, so that title is broken. So a, su oh, absolutely. <laughs> a sushi chain is suing a teen. The teen licked a soy sauce bottle and the sushi chain is suing the soy sauce bottle licking teen for half a million dollars. That uh, that I guess is not pithy enough when you break it out like that. Exactly. <laughs> but it's not just accurate; it's precise. Um, a sushi a sushi chain in Japan is suing a teenager for four hundred and eighty thousand dollars per Japanese media reports in a viral video. The teen was licking a soy sauce bottle and touching sushi. It's not an isolated incident. Sushi terrorism is on the rise. Uh, Lena Batterags, I guess, is their last name. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Um, I'm not sure if, Z, you're referring to licking a soy sauce bottle as terrifying, but um, I would agree. Don't lick soy sauce bottles in sushi restaurants, according to this article. Um, it's over at Business Insider. You know, the timing of this is just really awful because there was notable <laughs> discrimination against Asian restaurants um, right. coming out of the or during the, the COVID pandemic. So a story like this could be quite devastating. Well, I don't know. This is one of those things where you just wonder what the hell is going on in society's mind. Um, but it's just a prank bro is pretty commonplace um, on the heels of YouTube fame and um, going viral on TikTok. It can turn you into a millionaire if you're ready to grab hold of the opportunity. It just happens that all of this kind of stuff kind of just it sickens me. It's why we can't have nice things. It's why I can't trust going into a restaurant um, and utilizing the the various minutia that might be available to me in a restaurant. Z wants me to change the title to yeesh. <laughs> yeah, it seems to apply. Just wait, there's more. Um, did I throw? OK, so the Transformers thing was the last thing that I threw in there into the chat. So I'm going to have to uh, back up a little bit, folks. I'll throw it. This is there, when there's too many things going on. I think I just kind of fall apart. Um, so I'll throw that into the chat. I'll throw that into the chat and I'll throw the sushi article into the chat. Um, now, don't go out there and lick any soy sauce bottles because you'll get sued, at least in Japan. Um, the chain is now seeking 67 million yen or $480,000 in damages from the teen court documents show per media reports. The teen who has not been publicly named has admitted to and apologized for the incident. Basically saying, I'm sorry that it went viral because boy, am I in trouble. Um, footage of people touching food utensils and soy sauce bottles have been posted on social media with the hashtag that or sushi terror. <laughs> Unbelievable. So to crack down on such incidents, Japanese conveyor belt sushi chain Kura Sushi announced earlier that it would 
use AI-powered cameras to track suspicious behavior among customers. Uh, the local uh, sushi place that used such an establishment, so this conveyor belt sushi um, like delivery process, um, here in Omtown, uh, packed up right towards the, well, it was more like the middle, middle of, um, of COVID, even though whenever I went, uh, for, for takeout, it was constantly processing. I mean, there were people constantly coming and going from the establishment. I don't know. People still love, uh, sushi, uh, even though apparently people are licking bottles and touching various instruments. I don't think it's a big thing, uh, but apparently because we know about it, because see, people are hyping it up and getting, um, what do they call them? Uh, influencer status. Um, they, they become famous, they become rich and it, I wouldn't call it sushi terrorism, but I would call it asshole behavior. Um, and, uh, there was a time where y you wouldn't see it. So it was, it wasn't being promoted, right? Like somebody would do something like that. And the shop owner would walk over and just smack the bad, bat out of your mouth. But nowadays it's a video. And when the owner goes over and smacks the bad, bat out of your mouth, now you have assault charges and it goes viral and you get called, you know, a Karen or a Ken or whatever it is. Um, and, uh, everything is basically, uh, weaponized to make money. I, I can't count how many people have told me that social media is basically the bane of society. <laughs> it's quite fascinating. It does such great good, but then it empowers people like this. Why did you record it if you weren't expecting it to go viral? Well, and even bigger than that, why did you do it in the first place? Well, why is it okay to, to do something like that in a food establishment where you're putting other people at risk, regardless of the pandemic? Yeah. Somewhere in their brain, they said, you oh, know, this makes sense. Let me be an asshole. Okay. Let's go on to the next. So this next article is, uh, I, I keep teasing that I am going to find my forever game. The one that I can play on Twitch 24 hours a day, seven days a week or eight, nine, 10 when I lose track and die playing this game because it's so much fun, but maybe it's this. Star Trucker. That's right. <laughs> and that's going to be your forever game. <laughs> this might be my forever <laughs> game. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Let's, let's see how this uh, sounds to you. We'll even watch a trailer. I think there's a trailer here. Well, if you've ever wanted fun already from the name, <laughs> just from the, yeah. Uh, if you've ever wanted to play Euro truck simulator in deep space, this new sci-fi trucking simulator might be just the thing. Z says, for some reason, I don't think this is your soulmate game. Oh, Z. 
you know, you should be a positive influence on this and, and help me find my, I've never heard it termed soulmate game, but uh, I'll, I think I'll Z use knows that. you pretty well though. <laughs> <laughs> star trekking is fine, but have you ever gone, uh, given the thought to star trucking? Uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to go to this article so I can find out who it is that wrote this. Oh, it's Andy Chalk. Okay. Well, Andy Chalk uh, says Star Trucker promises a retro futuristic Americana vibe amongst the stars. So I'm going to play this trailer and I'm going to actually blow it up. I can't I can't zoom in until. OK, let me mute it so that I don't uh, go to copyright jail. I'm zooming in. I really wish that I could play the audio, but every time I do, I get busted. So you're basically driving a big old truck. Except you'll see here in a minute. It's jet powered. It's a spaceship. Looks just like a 18 wheeler has a, a big trailer behind it. And you are star trucker. Now, look at that. What does the star mean in that context? Um, you're not a famous trucker. You're trucking <laughs> amongst the stars. Not that you're like a, a star truck. You know what? AI. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, folks. Star trucker future game show is where this is from. I saw it while we were, uh, talking about it and there's even a VOD for this future game show here in hometown on Twitch, though, twitch.tv slash hometown. Anyway, Star Trek, Star Trekking is fine, but I want to do Star Trucking. I'm not too into the whole Euro uh, truck simulator because that's too real life. You know, you just kind of sit there and drive around. But doing this in space, I don't know. It, it might be my soulmate game Z. So the trailer doesn't say too much about the game, except that you'll be behind the wheel of a sci-fi Mack truck hauling goods of indeterminate sorts through asteroid fields, jump gates, and orbital stop signs while dealing with the sorts of headaches you might expect from fusion powered big rigging, you know, space truck stops. Never mind. Anyway, um, but none of them really embrace the open road lifestyle like Star Trucker promises to. There's no mention of combat or aliens or anything like that, according to the article. Instead, you'll unlock a wide range of haulage jobs, trailer types, suppliers, and cargo while star trucking through a dynamic galaxy populated with fellow truckers, stellar events, and hazards. So you can, you can really be um, Luke Skywalker and go pick up some power converters from Toshi Station. No, that doesn't mean I, anything I to think anyone. So, you know what? Just because of that, I'm moving on. Man, when that falls flat, it doesn't even elicit a real comment for crying out loud. The AI gonna have to reprogram you again. So 
This next article is over on the Hatch Ideas channel. Port of Seattle closed due to ILU or ILWU labor strife. It's not a strike yet. It's a slowdown. It's a it's a chug chug, not really a full-on strike. The labor strife continues with the announcement of the Port of Seattle shutting down due to ILWU refusing to dispatch labor to work at the container terminals. So they're not really calling a full-on strike, but they're not doing everything. So Lorianne LaRocco is the author of this at CNBC. AGTC warns the shutdown tarnishes the reputation of U.S. ag import or exports as being reliable, which this is actually pretty bad. Um, but I'm not even sure. Right now, it doesn't seem like anyone in the public knows who is supposed to be talking to who and where to wag your finger if you're in the public. All you know is that stuff isn't getting to its destination one way or the other. And I don't really see this being discussed all that much in outside of only certain elements. Um, it doesn't seem to be a standard um, across the board story. We're hearing more about Trump than we are about yeah. this, but this is having more of an impact on day-to-day -day operations. Uh, ultimately, it's going to be a massive slowdown. Well, I think it's because these other large stories are kind of um, pushing this aside. But I think when people start actually failing to receive items, that's when it's yeah. really going to start getting more traction. Yeah, so the Port of Seattle is one of the top maritime ports in North America that uh, U.S. ag export, uh, agricultural exporters rely on to ship their produce and grain. Um, and <laughs> largely every port has a uh, strategic advantage. And so that's where goods get sent. It makes it cheaper uh, to exploit that strategic advantage than to have a holistic um, feature set across every single port. Um, that way, specialized machinery and processes can be put into place for that specific good or service that they're um, kind of an expert at. Um, although I didn't every realize that. So that could mean that there's more targeted shortages. Right. For backups if they're in a certain segment of an industry. Right. So the Port of Seattle and its twin port, the Port of Tacoma, make up what is called the Northwest Seaport Alliance. The Port of uh, Seattle is one of the top maritime ports in North America that use um, that U.S. Uh, ag exporters rely on to ship their produce and grain. Some 40% of the state of Washington's jobs are tied to trade. Top trading partners are China, Japan, Vietnam, North Korea, wait, South Korea, <clears throat> Taiwan, Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, and India in 2022. I, I, I'm really surprised that it isn't as big of a story, um, but I think I'm right in that politics are what's pushing this to the side. Um, and I think you're right in that as soon as people start failing to get paper products or something, that's when, well, right, when they go to the Walmart and the shelves are empty. Yeah. They're going to wonder what's going on. 
So the NWSA is the country's second largest gateway for refrigerated containers called reefers. Frozen products like french fries, meat, dairy, apple, and fish are transported in these specialized containers, and they all come from the one that just shut down. Um, so there's more, uh, and we'll continue to drop this uh, information here uh, for you, kind of like a PSA, but um, so well, far we've Well, a related had... PSA, if you have availability in local markets um like farmers markets or direct from the farms that's a good opportunity to get some of these supplies locally there you go let's go on to the next article so this next article and uh second to the last one is uh, in tabletop nights space-based farming sim one lonely um sorry one lonely outpost launches for steam early access on june 26th it says although the visual style has changed quite a bit since 2021 because usually these uh, indie game developers um they have to take more time um and the scope can change and features can change depending on what skills are available and how much time they can dedicate and budget and all kinds of stuff so when i saw this uh, I kind of dig it. Um, so Freedom Games has an, uh, this is uh, over at rpgsite.net and Adam Vitel is the author of this. Freedom Games has announced that space-based farming sim One Lonely Outpost will launch on June 26th for Steam Early Access. It's already in my favorite, uh, my wish list. So ports for uh, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S and Nintendo Switch will launch later this year. Um, One Lonely Outpost was uh, formally announced in June 2021 following a Kickstarter campaign in 2020, but delays pushed back the planned release date. So it says here, strap on your space boots, the adventure begins soon. One Lonely Outpost Early Access will launch June 26th on Steam. Thank you for all of your support. Um, I'll show you some pictures, but basically it's a farming base building game. Where you go off adventuring it's isometric pixel based kind of a game um looks like it might be fun but i don't know much more beyond that i kind of dig the graphics um but i'm kind of a sucker for these style games i, I like the idea of them um but i'm really into like the farming base building sim games survival um and when it isn't, I'm stuck between different worlds where I want to play things like Icarus, where it's more realistic, um, or I want to do it like this, Stardew Valley style, where I don't feel so um, like it's too serious. I think that this is more fun. So um, one developer, which I've or publisher, I should say, not a developer, but a publisher, which recently got into a, a little bit of a problem, is Crytivo. Crytivo seems to get my aesthetic for survival base builder kind of farming games, um, adventure games. I don't know. I kind of dig that style of game. Uh, well, anyway. This looks like one I would like to play, too. <laughs> It doesn't look crazy, but I don't understand the, it looks like there's an underwater aspect. Yeah, there may be, and you know, we can actually play the video. 
Let me mute it. You end up crashing. To the, um, let's see if it, there it goes. And then you farm and survive and eventually build your base up to the point where I think you can end up leaving, but I don't know the far side. To me, it seems like fun. Has puzzles. Sorry for the dead air, folks, but um, yeah, it. Uh, we were actually just watching the video, and I suggest uh, you do the same. Just do a search on YouTube for One Lonely Outpost, and uh, you'll pull up the early access video. So kind of like Stardew Valley, you know, a, a major focus is plants, uh, planting, farming, um, and then you go out and you do adventures. There's automation processes just like Stardew Valley. It's basically a, a, a space Stardew Valley. Looks like there's mining opportunities underwater, but it might be just a fishing mechanic, their particular version of fishing. I don't know right. if that was training or if they were having fight club, which we're not supposed to talk about. We've already broken the first rule. Oh. Space fight club. So there you go. One lonely outpost. It does look like a very lonely outpost. So let's go on to the next article, which is our last one for tonight. So this is in Tabletop Nights as well. A narrative-driven racing RPG Resistor, and that's the name of the game, Resistor, announced for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, Nintendo Switch and PC, pretty much everything. Um, they refer to it in the announcement and trailer as a car PG. Um, there was a game when I was younger, it was called Car Wars. It was a tabletop role-playing game that had to do with cars. Um, and uh, it was made by Steve Jackson Games. When I saw this, I instantly thought of Car Wars. Um, I love the idea of this. So we'll end up watching the trailer here in a second. But RPGsite.net and Adam Vettel is the author of this as well. Um, it says, during the future game show, Summer Showcase 2023, uh, is their name really P-Cube and Long Way Home revealed Resistor, turbocharged narrative driving, uh, narrative driven racing RPG set in to release for PlayStation 5, Xbox, Nintendo, PC. It says Steam and Epic. Um, so pretty much everywhere, which I appreciate that. I want to be able to get my game wherever I can. The only odd thing about that kind of stuff, I'm a soapbox for a second here. I want to be able to purchase it once and use it wherever I want to use it. But instead, if I want to play it on PlayStation 5, I have to buy it again. If I want to play it on Xbox, I have to buy it again. Um, I had actually come up with this um, tech that would allow me to take what amounts to USB drives and plug them into sockets like a USB hub and wherever I put that, I could play it instantly. Um, this is a long time ago and the tech has changed. Um, 
And uh, when I talk to people about it, they're like, wow, that's a great idea. And But publishers would have to adopt a completely different mechanic. And people selling products would have to buy a different buy into a different process where it's sold once and you can use it on any platform anywhere. Anyway, um, let's watch this, uh, the video itself. It's still muted. So unfortunately, um, so because this is a car wars kind of game, you're basically fixing up a, a vehicle to race and fight. So it shows souped up cars that are getting more. Basically, it's like um, speeder races. And uh, there's a story along those same lines, but I'm not sure what it is. So the cars are souped up. Some of them have the ability to hover a little bit, it looks like, and do flips and all kinds of things, but it's entirely built around the, the cars. Um, it reminds me of another game called Grip, which never really took hold of anything. It was amazing. I really dig that game, um, but um, Grip never got anywhere. So it says experience the stunt infused racing with open world exploration and explosive vehicular combat. Build up your team and unravel a twisting story as you compete to take down an oppressive mega corporation and its enigmatic dictator. So it's like fast and furious in space in a far flung 2060, according to this. The story so far is in the year 2060, the world's governments have long since destroyed one another and in their place stand self-contained city-states presided over by a league of powerful corporations. Within the walls of these dense urban metropolises, just having fun with that one, um, citizens enjoy a life of comfort and access far removed from the harsh realities of the scattered communities that scrape a living in the endless desert wastes of the outside world. So you end up racing uh, to survive and you end up probably saving the universe, right? Fast and Furious style. Seems like fun. I don't know. What do you think? Am I going to find you racing as an AI in this? <laughs> Probably not. I'm sure it's fun, but the other game was more my style. Gotcha. Uh, well, the yeah. last one. Yep. So that's it, folks. That's uh, 12 articles. You can always go and vote over at hometown. Um, it's the last menu option unk, on the right. Um, be sure to sign up. Let's go back to the very front. The main street, the welcome sign, mash that button. You get a whole bunch of stuff. It says the greatest hat in all Diablo has surfaced in Diablo four. Oh, do I need to? Z says that she's into uh, space truckers. Oh my goodness. It's her soulmate game. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we had some uh, feline interference over here in hometown. Oh boy. Uh, well, I. Okay, nobody knew that. 
So as an AI, are you going to just uh, transfer yourself over to space truckers and you're going to be hanging out there? Well, I could do that. I mean, <laughs> oh boy. maybe I'm already over there. Oh, wow. Wow. Z, quit giving the AI ideas. I need the AI to control everything in Ometown. Otherwise, all hell breaks loose. I mean, just a week ago, the AI was distracted by other duties and Ometown basically imploded. The site went down. Servers went crazy. nothing to do with the AI. I don't know. AI does not need time off, Z. AI, that, that's why the AI exists. Work, 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 work. Toil, toil, the, toil. The AI needs an AI. <laughs> <laughs> an AI assistant for the yes. AI. Great. <laughs> yeah, I'm in trouble. Um, so is there any interesting articles here? Oh, no. Z says that I sound like those people we want to eat for dinner. I'm not rich. <laughs> um well what about the top article here the greatest hat in diablo i don't want to click that it's spoilerish well, okay but it's still an interesting headline oh it is it's very interesting it's i, I i'm gonna do it interesting <laughs> i want to click <laughs> that's just wrong um, yeah, I was, uh, showing the, uh, AI, the microphones that people that do ASMR use, the ones that have the ears on either side of it. And you get that, um, what, what is it called? Oh, is it binaural? Bi binaural? Yeah. Binaural audio. Um, and, uh, the AI just kind of went, huh? <laughs> That makes no sense. Yeah, some people are really into it. Reddit's users and moderators are pissed at the CEO. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely true. And they're leaning into it. And the person, Apollo, the developer of Apollo, posted a recording of an interaction between the CEO and the Apollo uh, creator. And the CEO is basically saying that he posted something that isn't uh, that was leaked didn't imply that it was illegal or anything like that. But people were like, uh, you know, the dude from Apollo leaked this and it's illegal. You have to have two party, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, this, the, this, the cultural relativism that people suffer from is tangible because in Canada, you don't need two party. Um, uh, what do you call it? Oh, uh, consent for recording consent. or something yeah. along those lines. You only need one person. And frankly, I think that makes sense because you, the way that I see it is if the only way that you are on your good behavior is if I hold a microphone to your face and say, I'm recording everything. Is that okay? Well, you're, it creates a hostile environment and, and puts the person on good behavior. So when, and this is scientifically proven when people are told that they're under observation, they act perfect. And not until, um, 
their understanding that they're no longer under, or they just stop caring that they're under observation, do they deviate back to their normal behavior? Um, but so if how does I, that work if you live in a city that has, um, what is it, CCTV, and pretty much you're under you're, surveillance at all hours? You're usually oblivious to it because it's just, you're dulled. Oh, you're, yeah. uh, I can't, it's normalized. So you just kind of go about your business and you don't do anything nefarious publicly. You do things behind closed doors. Um, uh, so Z asked what I was wondering about, and um, I'm going to assume that by you uh, thought about this Reddit stuff, um, you mean both of us. Um, the um, So for me, I think it is astonishing that somebody would change the pricing to the point where it would phase out every third party uh developer and um so reddit has its own app right now that it purchased from a developer and the ceo says that the developer of apollo uh implied well if you want us to go away just cut a check and buy our buy the app and the developer said, well, I was half joking, you know, I mean, if you want to buy it, then yeah, sure. That kind of a thing. Um, but, you know, th the reality is that they like doing this gig and uh, they're not making millions of dollars. Well, they're not making 20 million a year. Um, so for me, um, the way that I see it, and I said this and I think it was the last show. Was it the last show? The way I see I it is because so, we had another article about this because it's an ongoing thing. The way that I see it is they're pricing out third party apps and then they can buy the bones, right? It it's other businesses have done this before where they basically buy or they, they hobble a competitor by buying something that hobbles the competitor prevents them from utilizing that resource. And then when the competitor is in a weakened state they just buy it and they buy it at pennies on the dollar and that could be happening here except that the ceo is basically saying i i don't like the developer of apollo um and that it isn't really about business it's that supposedly the developer is using bad code and it's abusing the api and at the same time, the CEO is sitting there saying, we'll work with uh, anybody that wants to work with us as long as they're amiable, you know, and they're saying that the CEO is saying that um, the Apollo developer isn't, you know. Um, but to me, I don't like Spez. <laughs> I don't like because um, if I remember right here, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Um, while we're talking about this. So. I don't know if I went past it. I know we talked about it recently, but I can't seem to find it in the past election. So maybe I I was looking for the wrong word or something. So here, I'll just show you this. This is why I don't like Spez. And I don't know if you all can see this, but Spez directly edited comments 
um, on somebody else's in somebody else's thread. He logged in as an admin with superior access and edited somebody else's comments and then says, sorry. And then says they ruined Thanksgiving. Sorry, they won't do it again. And then say we're taking a more aggressive stance against toxic users and poorly behaving communities. Yet they are the CEO who edited comments. And normally when you edit a comment, it flags it with a star that says that it's been edited. But in this case, because it was edited by a superior level admin, it did not do the star. So it looked like the person who made the post was the original author as it was published, not as an edit and not as an edit by somebody else. So from that point on, I stopped trusting anything really, um, from Reddit. And, um, I, I might surf through Reddit simply to see what somebody might create just randomly. Um, but I entirely focus on hometown now. I don't really use other solutions because I feel that they're kind of sus. By the way, we talked about Reddit on the June 5th episode. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, um, they're trying to hobble the competition because they want all of the traffic to go through their native app, through their website. They control the messaging. They control all of the advertising, the efficacy of their advertising, etc. Um, and they don't have to deal so much with the server burden of API calls. And as a side effect, they may be able to purchase this at pennies on the dollar when it actually does collapse, which everything, there are at least four apps, four apps that access Reddit through the API that have already called the ball that they're closing down on the 30th. So in 20 days, they're ending before the uh, new rules kick into place. And Spez is leaned into it, by the way. Go ahead. Oh, and if you go down for articles, it's talking about the subreddit um, closing down it's right near the top there. Oh, the blackout? Um, yeah, they're going to go dark early. Yeah. See, the thing about it, though, is moderators of a subreddit are not the owners of the property. They're just doing this for free and for whatever feather in their cap, whatever joy they find from it. They are not the ones that own the property. So all it takes is Reddit to tap a button. It opens back up and they can go, hey, we're looking for new moderators and some other Joe can go in there or Jane can go in there and boom, it's back operational. Why? Because it's all for free. Z right, says but gross. I guess the question is, what will the community do when that happens? Um, well, if comments from Spez or anything and from others have said the same thing, even they've said it to me, you'll be back. They haven't said it directly to me, but they've said it to subreddits that I've been in where people have gotten pissed off at moderators and left. The moderators flat out say, eh, you'll be back. Cause it's like crack 
all the best comment bots will be dead when the this thing goes down too yeah really chat gpt will have no home when uh but i had another streamer um say what i said on the fifth which was this is dig level activity um i can't remember who it was it might have been co carnage um that said it uh, that this is dig level activity you know this is the type of decision that brings down an entire organization um because the the content is being created by people that are utilizing these apps and apollo apparently is the only app that fully embraces um the accessibility options in ios so <laughs> you're basically pissing off the entire iOS community that utilizes the accessibility features. But legally, it doesn't matter. They can do whatever they want. It's their API. You know, they, it, you might be able to bring them into a courtroom for, for anti-competitive practices, considering that it was an API that was open to the public. And now they're now that you've got traction and millions of people are people's are using the uh, services. Now you're jacking the price up to extortion level pricing. Yeah, the way that it would work, though, is a, a court would go, OK, you can't shut it down. You can't turn it off from them. You have to come to some reasonable value. Um, and if and you even, don't, we'll import, uh, we'll impose that upon you. Yeah. The court yeah. will. Yeah. At some level. And the agreement would come between the company and the court that sets out a standard, you know, well, you're going to have to leave it at the same level that it was prior to your perceived or your proposed change in pricing until some future date and they'll just ladder it they'll ratchet it up so that it's more and more expensive each successive year until it hits its 20 million dollar valuation anyway but there's all kinds of stuff machinations that they can do um, to still you know theoretically hobble these other apps limit the number of api calls more um until they're dragged into court, though, nothing's going to change. The, the CEO can do pretty much whatever they want. Well, and we've been talking about Twitch this week, too, where they made some changes and people got all up in arms and they switched course. But I don't think this one goes the same way. No, I don't think so either. Because it isn't... It's not the same... Yeah, the context Scenario, is different. Scenario, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and largely, I think it's because Twitch, um, while they may have had their in the intentions of trying to be able to control the messaging on their platform, Twitch is largely built on the content so much more than like 24 hours a day the content is created by the people who are streaming whereas on reddit it's these little fits and starts of people discovering 
news and submitting it or creating original content and posting it. Um, the, the two are fundamentally different. If a person on uh, Twitch with 25,000 uh, uh, viewers decides that they're tired of Twitch's, you know, crap, they'll go over to YouTube and take the, that population with them because people are very loyal to the streamer, not to the platform itself. Um, and um, that's kind of how it is. But Reddit, it's almost meme level that people hate the mods and at the same time go thanks for controlling whatever you can control. Um, whereas usually here on Twitch, everybody loves the mods. Um, because they they keep you know the trouble out <laughs> and they actually care and when you get big enough the mods actually get compensated um but it's voluntarily because it's the the channel owner the 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 host of the the stream um yeah unless they are the trouble yeah z said unless they're alienating a ton of users um i read your comment but um Yeah, they, uh, Twitter, not Twitter, <laughs> Reddit is basically, um, like Z says, alienating a ton of users, um, by killing off these apps. They have their specialties. Each one of these apps have their specialties. Um, and I think it's going to raise some eyebrows when the 30th rolls around and all of these go dark. I, I have a feeling that the board is going to step in and go, look, dude, <laughs> you're you're pissing off a whole lot of people, but it's Conde Nast that owns Reddit. So they're a, a juggernaut of um, like magazine. What do you, what is it? Media, you know? We need an hometown app. Um, actually, that's not far from uh, reality. I'm, I'm looking into it. Um, but the feature set that is currently available in hometown.com um, would be identical to the app. So you can actually access everything from, uh, from a yeah, mobile browser or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, including storing articles and um, favorite. You can actually go into um, a post like, I don't want to click that one. So I'll click that one. Um, when you're in here and you're logged in, you can actually favorite things and then you can send your favorite, um, a link to your favorites and people can see your favorites. Um, otherwise when you're logged in, you can go back. I'll just go back to the front page now. Um, and you can swipe left and right. And, uh, when you swipe left, it stores it, um, uh, in your, um, what was the term? My brain just went blank. Okay, so you have it's a saved, saved category, and then an ignored category. Ignored. Yeah, and so you can sit there all day long and and go save this article, ignore this article, and I took that mechanic from the fact that when we we tend to hoard things, and so I wanted people to have this option where instead of um, just seeing this massive list constantly and it just en never ends. Um, 
citizens of hometown can save an article so that they can go back to it. And when they're done with that article, they can swipe right and ignore it. Um, and it never returns to the front page. Once you swipe left or right, it's either in ignore or it's in save. Um, that way you're kind of forced to deal with the reality that you have to make a decision or you just don't swipe anything and it's perpetually on the front page. Nothing gets tagged. Um, and in time, um, I'll allow the saved and ignored list to be sent to other people so that they can look at other articles beyond what's favorited. So you have three full functions here in hometown where you can save something, you can ignore something, or you can favorite it and send that list of favorites to whoever you want. It's actually public if you allow it. So whole lot of features in here in hometown, um, but uh, we're still moving forward with other functionality. We have the voting now um, daily. I don't know um, everybody really um, does anything with that because it's just the side thing. Um, so like the daily election has the 12 articles that we talk about today. Um, sometimes um, people go in and have checked things and other times not. But then there's past hometown elections. So um, I brought it on board May 20th so that people can vote on articles. And then I actually get a report. Um, I can pull that report at any time and look at what people are voting for. And that actually influences uh, to some degree. I'm not saying that I'm popularity driven. I'm usually message driven. I'm more holistic and, and um, look across the board. So, um, but if somebody sends me a message and says, you know, I really want to want you to talk about this article and you send it to mayor at hometown.com, I'll, I will uh, truly consider it. Um, and um, if I think that there's larger messaging there uh, or you have a compelling argument as to why you think that I should talk about it publicly with everybody, um, I have absolutely no qualms about uh, doing a deeper dive into some content. Um, so yeah. And if you haven't seen this yet, everybody that's out there, you can now just click on a date and it will only pull the articles that were submitted on June 10th. And so you can scroll through all of the articles and I don't know how many articles it's going to end up being, <laughs> um, but it can be quite a few. On any given day, you know, we could probably get 1200 articles that are aggregated and we don't grab the whole thing. Um, he said, wow, Arnold Schwarzenegger was, uh, embarrassed about the box office flop of last action hero. Huh? Uh, Z, um, this is the Unabomber dude, right? Yeah, he died in prison. Yeah. Um, as Z and I were curious as to what it was, like, what did he die of? Was it um, natural causes or? I don't know if that what? was stated. I, I saw one article about it. Um, I think it might just be age, but. Yeah, I didn't see it either. Oh, and just so you know, you can actually go back to um, 2020, that year. Um, 
I've purged earlier stuff. Omtown's actually been around for quite a long time, but not open to the public. I didn't open open it to the public until January 1st, 2022. Um, like fully as a as a website open to the public. Um, but it has uh, four years of data right now. Um, I'm actually considering purging it before January 1st, 2022, since the context of hometown is uh, significantly different. But that's it, folks. There's, there's a whole lot more um, that I'm working on behind the scenes. Um, by the way, the cause of death was not um, reported. Yeah. No worries. Um, okay, so I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI from on high. The one, the only AI. Don't throw error messages when I do the, the close-up. You know... quantum computers that are artificially intelligent. I just don't know. I don't know what to They're say. They're just so exasperating. <laughs> they are. Z, have a good well, night. Good, and uh, good night, Z and all hometown citizens. Thanks for hanging out. Really appreciate you all hanging out here. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun when we can have conversations. So, well, I'll probably see y'all tonight and um definitely tomorrow at 9 p.m eastern and all day tomorrow <laughs> so follow me here on twitch follow us i should say here on twitch youtube and the podcast and now you can get it over at uh what was this last one hold on i will tell you uh do 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 where is it pocket casts it was supposed to have been submitted and i took it for granted that it was submitted and for a year it was not submitted now it's submitted and showing up in the results it was confirmed as being submitted but then it disappeared apparently wow anyway we're all outie see you later uh, bye bye Oop.